Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another weekly installment of the Duo Sense podcast. As always, we are your host, myself first, Andrew Roscoe, and with me, as usual, the Badger of the High Desert, the undisputed, undefeated, never doubt for the count, always doubt for the cause. Speaking of cause, he he's the self-titled, the self-titled Lost Cause. Unnecessary, Johnny. Yeah, hey guys. <sighs> Johnny, there's only been like one episode where you haven't like interrupted me in the intro, and that was like two weeks ago. You're always gonna be a reason. You always interrupt me. Like I'm on a roll, and you just kind of throw me off, and I'm like, ah, oh. like I, it's like I'm building a combo, and you're just like <laughs> combo breaker, and I'm like, ah, oh, damn it, Johnny. Anyways, let's go ahead and get started. But before we do that, by the way. Uh, if you guys want to check out, I was on another podcast last week between uh, episodes. Uh, my friend, uh, JR, he has a podcast called Channel 3. That's Channel 3, like the, the channel you switch to to play your Super Nintendo. Channel 3. Uh, I was on his last episode that he just did this past uh, Friday. And we had a good conversation. We kind of talked about our podcast, uh, ours as in Johnny and I's, but also talked about... Uh, some of the first games I played growing up, uh, my love of how Assassin's Creed kind of led me into my career choice of education, and other stuff like that. So go ahead and check it out. Again, that is Channel 3 on any podcast uh, apps that you have. So the three, or is it spelled out? Uh, no, it's the numerical numerical number three. So channel the word, and three, like the number three. Okay. Thanks for asking. Good. Yeah, I kind of forgot. All right, let's actually get into today's uh, stories. Johnny, we have... Six. That's right. Six different stories to cover. As as I mentioned last time, the family situation is kind of rough. I was supposed to record this with Johnny yesterday, but you know, life is strange. Wink, <laughs> wink. Pun intended. And so I was well, I wasn't able to get with Johnny yesterday. So here we are today. Hopefully, this is out by tomorrow, uh, Tuesday morning. So let's get started. We have our first story. This is from Polygon, and it is Control is getting a multiplayer spinoff and sequel. And this article is written by Joshua Rivera. Control, a video game full of strange things that no one can really explain, is getting a spinoff that is aptly inexplicable. A multiplayer game. Hold on, just real quick. Is that accurate, Johnny? Say it again. A video game full of strange things that no one can really explain. Does that describe your Control experience? That is accurate. Okay, does it just like does the game end with no explanations for stuff or what? No, there's a ton of explanations, but the, it leaves you wanting more. Like, what does this mean? What is that? What is that going to take? What is that going to become? Okay, so it's like sets up right for a sequel then. Yeah, it's not subtle at all. It's, it's a ton of mysteries. Oh, okay. Back to the article. Dubbed Project Condor by developer Remedy Entertainment, the game will be a four-player player versus environment or PVE co-op game set in the world of Control. Besides that very left for dead sounding genre descriptor, details are scant. A blog post from Mikhail Kasurinen, game director of the Control franchise, emphasizes the world, quote, end quote, part, noting that Control protagonist Jesse Faden, did I say that right, Johnny? Sounds right, yeah. Journey into the oldest house was just a small part of that world, and that condor is an expression of how much bigger it can be. Kasurinen, 
also share this bit of concept art, which Kasarin claims tells pretty well what Condor is about. So obviously this is an audio-only podcast. There's no concept art. I'll describe it as four people wearing lots of belts sitting on a bench with a body bag in front of them. So take that, make of that what you will. Uh, it says, also tucked away in the Condor announcement was an agreement with 505 Games to publish a budget control game to be agreed in more detail in the future, which is the first official statement from Remedy about a control sequel. All we know now is that it will be more expensive, which makes sense as dealing with sentient buildings and extra dimensional entities tends to have a way of running up a tab. <laughs> okay, that's cute. I like that. Does it have a budget there? I'm sorry? Does it have the budget? No, there's no there's no actual fiscal numbers. Because I heard the the budget for the game was pretty inexpensive, something like thirty five mil or something. It's actually not that bad. For, no, it's crazy pretty low, low for a game for the quality of game it is. Yeah, so it says a bigger budget control game to be agreed in more detail in the future. So this is just like we're working on it, and we can just tell you it's going to be bigger and better. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Johnny, as you're between us, you're the only one who has any experience with the control with the control game. What does this do for you? Are you are you excited about the multiplayer, or are you kind of ignoring that and looking more to the future about the sequel? Did this specify exactly what type of multiplayer? Because I heard it's PvE. I literally just, yes. It's a four-player versus environment co-op game. PvE. Okay. So player versus enemy, not player versus player. Yeah, I forgot if it was uh, either three or four. Cooperative. Player. Four players. Yeah, this is perfect, dude. The gameplay on this is amazing. It's going to be great for four players. Does the does the gameplay of Control lend itself well to four players? Like, are we gonna are people gonna be fighting over objects moving? Like, no, I grab that thing. Or it does, just not if it's gonna be on current gen, or rather like PS Five or Xbox uh, Series S. I was gonna play that game, and I have it too. It's like one of the free PSN titles. I have it on my yeah hard drive. Just get it off my. My no, I ha- no, too. I have it took through PS Play- PlayStation Plus. But did it give you the uh, DLC? I don't think so. Do you have the DLC? Yeah, I have DLC. Is that like required reading for the game? Like, do you ha- is is it just like whatever, or is it like expand? Like, oh, like this answers all the questions I had, kind of thing. It's not necessary, but it definitely adds to the lore. Okay, so it's kind of like a companion piece to it. Yeah. Okay. And what do you think about the future of the sequel, Johnny? Because yes, like uh, like it's going to be obviously better funded. What do you think about that? Are you concerned about another studio being involved in the development or not really? No, I'm really concerned about it. As long as the mechanics are still there, it's going to be the same lore. I, I think it'll be okay. What is so? What is okay? What is Control's strongest point? Is it the gameplay mechanics or is it the story itself or is it both? It's both. Both. It's pretty balanced. Uh, the gameplay mechanics are on point, dude. The uh, telekinesis in this game are, are the best telekinesis I've played in any type of game that has these mechanics. I saw a Switch stream recently, and the game would look really confusing to me because I just saw the main character was just shooting at people who were floating in the air. Mm-hmm. And it looked like they were like trying to fight back or something, but like... Yeah, but it feels very organic. Like, you would think it feels a little boxy, you know? There's like, you have to fly up and then right. side to side and everything. But traversing the plane is very fluid so i I think it's going to be a great experience for multiplayer what's the one thing you would want for there to be added to the sequel they're looking looking i know it's kind of like like a vague question but looking to the future what's something that's like i hope this is addressed by then 
Or is it like well, near flawless? Well, I want them to expand on, on the universe, of course, and the gameplay. Like, more guns. I think they only had, like, a shotgun, your handgun, a sniper type of weapon. So, just a larger variety of weapons. Okay. But the issue I had with Control weren't the story and the gameplay. They were just on the technical level. The current or the previous gen couldn't handle couldn't handle the game. Like, uh, there, there's times where there's too much going on on screen. Okay. And it starts to, to drag. Like, I don't know if it's skipping frames or oh, it just kind of slows down the animations. I, I guess it's clipping, but okay, it can't handle the, the game. Is that why you think, is that why the game's like set indoors so I don't have to worry too much about like a, like environment, like rendering like multiple like outdoor environments? Is that why the game's probably like inside a building or? Because that's what I, everything I see from I can tell is like the game is just inside one building, right? A giant building, but yeah. it's one building. Yes. Uh, there's very open spaces in that building, too. Like, if you get the DLC, mm-hmm. there's pretty large areas. Oh, okay, so it's not like a memory issue or something, then? No, I, th- I think it is It is like a RAM issue. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. But when there's open spaces, there's not that many enemies. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the enclosed areas, there's a ton of enemies. When, there, when it's a much larger area... You get maybe like four or six. So they're animals. able to kind of like redirect like the yeah, resources, I guess you would call it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When there's like, okay, there's less there's less space here. Let's throw in a little more stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to play Control eventually. Moving on to our next story now. We're going to talk about, real quick, uh, an article from Kotaku written by Ari Notice. It says, Kojima Death Stranding Director's Cut isn't a director's cut. Uh, <laughs> kind of retreading old ground here, but that's fine. Cross-genre game Death Stranding will receive an enhanced and expanded version on PlayStation 5 this fall with Death Stranding Director's Cut. But Hideo Kojima, the game's famously enigmatic director, doesn't think it qualifies as a bona fide director's cut. A director's cut in a movie is an additional edit to a shortened version that was either released reluctantly because the director did not have the right to edit it, or because the running time had to be shortened, Kojima wrote in a series of tweets today, noting that Death Stranding Director's Cut features content that's additionally produced rather than cut. Director's Plus? So, in my opinion, I don't like to call it a Director's Cut, he says. First announced at last month's Summer Kickoff Live event, Death Stranding Director's Cut adds visual buffs and DualSense-specific haptic feedback. It'll include a bunch of new content, too, building out the story of Norman Reedus's Sam Bridges and features a Metal Gear sneaky box. All of the new stuff, according to PlayStation Blog, is carefully woven into the core game experience. Death Stranding Director's Cut comes out on September 24th for PS5. Death Stranding isn't the only PS5, I'm sorry, PS5, PS5 game to receive the Director's Cut treatment. Next month, Samurai Action Adventure Game Ghost of Tsushima comes to ps5 as ghost of tsushima director's cut that version which doesn't boast a free upgrade adds bog standard ps5 enhancements like better lighting and sharper visuals alongside new enhancements like japanese lip sync which wasn't in the base game the lip lip sync is actually set uh, to the english one plus a new chapter and explorable region the uh, island of uh, was it Ishisho? Was it Ishi? Ikishima. Ikishima. There you go. Thank you, Johnny. It will even feature faster load speeds somehow. 
I love how it ends that it'll feature faster load speeds like somehow like like we don't understand like well, the power or the hardware. It's referring to new hardware, but I just it's weird how it ends. It's weird how it ends. That's right, Johnny. How do you feel? Uh, again, the second time around. <laughs> how do you feel about the whole uh, director's cut moniker, the title of director's cut? Uh, like I mentioned before, I like the name director's cut. Just because of film and Resident Evil had that title, director's cut on. I feel like it's kind of making fun of it because a lot of people make fun of Metal Gear, like Kojima's associated with Metal Gear, as like, oh, it's a movie with interactive with interactive mm-hmm. segments because you know all the cutscenes and stuff. Yeah, and like Kojima's always wanted to get into film and stuff, like so. I think he's always kind of thought of himself as a director, but he makes good points here, right? Because like director's cut implies like oh like i didn't get, like i was a director i basically made this company but even i couldn't get certain things in the first time or something it just comes down to marketing as director's cut just better than like i feel like definitive edition would have worked better death stranding definitive edition or like death stranding extended edition extended kingdom hearts is a what thing where they call it final mix uh i'm glad he's not going with game of the year edition because i hate that title Game of the, when the, anybody can just say Game of the Year Edition. So you were telling me that wasn't true when games uh, say that? Game of the Year Edition? Not always. Sometimes it is. Usually it's not, though. Like, you can just put Game of the... Game of the Year has kind of been, like, the title Game of the Year Edition is just basically, like, another term for, like, this is, like, complete. This reminds me of a... Uh, I saw a meme earlier today. I forgot who posted it. It was one of the former, like, IGN employees... Yeah, where it was like a face where like it was kind of like the Drake thing, you know, where he does like the mm-hmm. where he like the hand like uh, and then he points at something he likes. Yeah, it was like extra DLC, and he's like, uh, like director's cut or, or definitive edition. He's like, and he points like like yeah, I like that. Well, that's a little different though. But it's kind of the same thing because usually it's like the full game plus the DLC. Okay, when somebody talks about with the DLC or extra DLC, I'm questioning like. Okay, is there going to be a third and a fourth and whatever? Like, when right. is this going to end? Okay. Bonus definitive or game of the year? I'm like, all right, that's finally it. they've wrapped it up. Now oh, okay. I can find the game. Because I was thinking that, I'm like, that's true. Like, when I hear DLC, I'm like, oh, I kind of cringe. But when it's like, oh, here's the defense, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, for it some- sounds like the final thing. It sounds like, complete, product, right? Yeah. I think you're onto something there. That makes, that's very good. That's a good point. So, yeah, like, I hear DLC and I'm like, uh, but like, oh, here's like the d- complete. Like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, we're getting like a, like the full packaged experience, right? So I can see that. Uh, yeah, so this whole director's cut thing, I think it's kind of a non-issue. I think I mentioned to you earlier, it doesn't affect gameplay. It doesn't affect story. The title, I mean, director's cut, it's just it's just the word on the box. So it's like, whatever. But I just figured we might as well throw it in there. Uh, moving on, because Kojima just refuses to stay uh, irrelevant. Not relevant. He refuses to become irrelevant, I should say. Okay. <laughs> not refuses to stay. I'm sorry. He refuses to become irrelevant. He's like, he's like, I will not be just a memory. Going to venture beat for this article from Jeff Grubb. Hideo Kojima's deal with Xbox reaches key milestone. Hideo Kojima and Microsoft have signed a letter of intent that states the two parties intend to work out the details on a publishing agreement for a new Xbox game. According to sources familiar with the matter, this is a key step in the negotiations between the Metal Gear Solid creator and the Xbox company. This signifies that both parties have agreed to a generalized deal while lawyers continue hashing out the finer points. Microsoft and Kojima's teams have spent months discussing a possible partnership, 
and now it is more likely than ever that those conversations will bear fruit. The deal is so close that Microsoft has begun preparing for what Kojima will need to make his new game. Again, like I mentioned earlier, I just like to think like, you know how there's like act. Have you ever heard of like actors who have like a list of demands for like when they film a movie? Like, like I want nothing but green M and M's. Yeah, like these really like wild. Like they want their own trailer. Okay, I think your own trailer makes sense, but like, I have to have this after every like session after every recording, or I have to have like a certain amount of like foods, right? Mm-hmm. I just like. What do you think? If you were a Kojima, what do you think Kojomi? What do you think Kojomi? What do you think Kojima's like? What do you think his most outrageous demand would be? I like to think like I want like this imported from my home country like every like week or something like I want like a specific brand of sake I drink after every every development like session. If you were Kojima, what would you? Small demand. What would you put on your list of demands if you were Kojima, Johnny? I've been thinking about this for the last ten minutes. I I don't really know what he would ask for. Kojima is so odd. I have no idea what he would request. Like you think like a specific meal or like specific conditions like the thermostat must never be above 70 or something <laughs> well that's one of my requests i mean that's not too hard to it's like if do. someone touches it i will know <laughs> like he's just like really because like the last the kotaku article mentioned how he's enigmatic right enigmatic is like someone's like mysterious kind of like eccentric almost in a way mm-hmm. so i'm thinking like like someone weird like kind of like andy warhol or like um I guess Kojima would be like the. Would you say he's like the Steven Spielberg of games? Yeah, I think so. Right, I imagine he probably has like a list of demands too. Like everything, like maybe he has like final. Maybe he has like final say on the voice acting, probably. Something like that, but it seems like they're getting stuff ready for him. What do you think that means? Like, do you mean like hardware? I, I feel like that's just for the article. To like, it just wraps up the article. It says using. Uh, it feels like they're just putting words in Microsoft's or Kojima's. It mind. says the deal was so close that Microsoft has begun preparing for what Kojima will need to make his new game. I mean, this could just mean like they're they, looking, they, they're looking at the budget. They're, they're not specifying anything. It's yeah. just like oh, we're just trying to like fill in the. Gaps I mean, it could just be as basic as like what's this going to cost us? But in my mind, I'm thinking of like physically preparing like a room kind of thing, or like a floor of a building or something like, like like he has like interior like. Like decorations or something. <laughs> okay, maybe this is a dumb analogy, but it feels like you're watching me walk to my neighbors, and you're like, "Fuck, Johnny's going to war." It's just like I'm just gonna go check shit out. Like, <laughs> like you're filling in blanks that aren't necessarily there. Okay, then you're gonna be a little creative with this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Last week, Microsoft announced that it had hired uh, Portal and Left 4 Dead developer Kim Swift to oversee partnerships for cl- cloud-based games. Swift most recently worked at Google's cloud gaming service, Stadia. Microsoft hired her with the purpose of assisting in making Kojima's cloud game a reality. As for what Kojima's game actually is, few people know. The point of the partnership is to unlock the creativity of Kojima Productions using Microsoft's technology as opposed to greenlighting a specific pitch. And then what about other publishers like Sony? Well, it is very unlikely that Microsoft's deal would prohibit Kojima from working with other companies. For now, Kojima Productions continues to work with Sony on Death Stranding Director's Cut for PlayStation 5. We just talked about that. Johnny, I feel like we kind of got as much as we could out of this. Yeah, Um, but I think that's the only relevant part of the the article is that Microsoft has more robust 
architecture for cloud gaming that right. Sony doesn't have. Right. Sony already has Game a Pass and all that. Yeah. yeah, Sony already has a partnership with Microsoft to use their cloud gaming. I so, forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, so Kojima might just be going over there to use specifically their cloud gaming and right. might be developing a game for both Sony and Microsoft. Okay. I think that's really all there is to it. Because there's, there's no specifics on what Kojima is working on. Right. If it's exclusive or not. But what right. is pretty certain is that they want that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. That's about it. So this would be like the equivalent of like if you were like a jealous boyfriend and girlfriend's like, I'm just going with him because he has a printer and we don't have a printer anymore. Exactly, print something. yeah. And you're over here like tripping balls. You're like what does that mean a printer what, what what could that mean and you're like it's just a printer how long are you gonna be over there how many pages she's like it's just a printer like, okay relax relax all right that's a good analogy i think all right uh yeah we'll see i mean this is just a specific partnership doesn't mean like you said earlier it's not like they oh like they bought kojima productions yeah if they bought kojima that'd be like a major blow for sony would that would that force you to switch sony no uh, are, you, are you just prideful? Is that uh, it? I would want to. Yeah, of course I would want to play a Kojima game regardless of where it's at. But it's one game right. on a console that I have no intention. You look at. Mind. I imagine you looking at Kojima and you just been like, "Et tu, brute?" Huh? You never heard that? No. It's uh mm-hmm. when Caesar supposedly got assassinated. Yeah. Brutus was one of the uh, like his closest friends. He was like one of the senators who stabbed him. And I he knew looked, he stabbed him. I don't know if it was his closest friend. Yeah, he looked at him. And he says, "Et tu, brute?" Like you too, Brutus. Like like uh, you betrayed me too. Okay. So. That kind of might go over some of our listeners' heads. Maybe we'll see. Next article, Johnny, we're fully caught up to where we were. <laughs> Is the about the switch? This comes from Inverse, written by Nick Lucchesi. Oh, I said that right. Nintendo Switch OLED. Why on-the-go gamers just really don't care. Me, myself included. This week, Nintendo announced the latest addition to its lineup of handheld Switch gaming devices. The new device has a handful of interesting new features that offer more than meets the eye. A little Transformers reference there. And chief among them is the OLED screen. The technology, first developed in 1987, that far back, has been arriving on TVs for more than a decade. Okay, so why are we treating OLED like it's a new thing then? Cheaper. OLED is known for dark blacks. It doesn't need a backlight. High contrast brights and not sucking your battery life. Wait, if it's not backlit, where does the light come from then? Off the sides? No, they're just like single points. Like single points emit emit their own individual light. Instead of an LCD, it oh, it's a whole just... backlight. Oh, so each one has its own light. Every pixel like produces its own color, its own brightness. And somehow own... that's more efficient battery wise. I wonder how that works. High contrast. As, as far as I could tell, it's because it could just turn off certain pixels. That's why you get like crazy blacks. Oh, it's, literally like, oh. it's like concentrated backlighting. Sort of. Yeah. Okay. So why has the reaction been mixed to the OLED switch? It's not the upgraded switch pro many were hoping for. Uh, we talked about this a while back, Johnny, if you remember yeah. the processing power is the same. This water treading is blamed on a semiconductor shortage spawned by COVID-19 related production slowdowns over the last 18 months. As opposed to an, to an LED screen, OLED, short for Organic Light Emitting Diode, offers a better picture. But to understand why this technology isn't enough to please gamers, we asked Raymond Wong, Senior Reviews Editor for Input. Inverse, did you see the news this week? Well, what did you make of it? And then Ray Wong responds, 
I think it was just a little underwhelming, a little disappointing. There was a lot of hype for a Switch Pro. There were rumors about the potential OLED display. I think many people were looking forward to maybe a larger display or even a higher resolution display. So they stuck with 720p instead of bumping it up to 1080 and you can't even output to 4K. I don't think anyone ever expected a 4K display on the device itself, but at least outputting to 4K would have been nicer. I feel like there's a typo there somewhere. This OLED display, honestly, I don't think it's going to make a very big difference. Most of our phones have OLED displays, your iPhones your, or Androids or Pixels, your Samsung Galaxy. Oh, I have one of those. Whatever. And they've had OLED displays for a long time. Okay, this is like you were telling me earlier, Johnny. The PS Vita had an OLED display like 10 years ago. That is true. I have the OLED one. Both LCD and OLED. I have the OLED one. So it's not like it's groundbreaking, revolutionary new tech. OLED does deliver a better picture quality, but I don't think that's going to truly improve your quality of life when you're playing the Switch. I don't think I've ever looked at the PS Vita or my phone or an iPad and said, oh man, I wish the black levels were darker. It also tends to cause more eye strain. I don't think that's that's the ever I don't think that's that this is worded weird. I don't think that's that's ever been the thing for Nintendo. OLED is one of the most common display technologies available right now. It's probably just easier to source. It's cheaper to manufacture than, say, ten years ago. From a supply chain perspective, it's probably just easier for Nintendo. That's exactly what I was thinking. It probably has to do with supply chain. And they're just switching it up with, with marketing. So, yeah, because, yeah, there was, I mean, I think, who was it? Not Forbes. What's the what's the one that Kotak, that uh, Jason Schreier writes for now? Do you remember? No. Uh, it has, it's the name of the, the former New York guy. Bloomberg? Bloomberg. Yeah, there you go. That's right. Bloomberg had a report like a while back about like supposedly the new model was supposed to do like better resolution though, remember? So it sounds like things had changed from when that first got reported up to now where Nintendo's kind of just like, forget, screw it. Like this is what we have on hand. Let's just put it out there, mm -hmm. right? So from what I understand, this new Switch has a different like kickstand, like where like it stands up. It's, it's like a sturdier stand now for the back. Okay the i think the bezel is like a little bit better right it's it's a, it's a bigger screen but like 0.5 inches bigger which isn't huge but on a handheld that kind of does make a difference so the same size handheld it's just a smaller bezel making the screen larger exactly okay. and then the oled screen and then that's about it like they, they, they didn't change the battery life they didn't change the resolution they didn't really change any of like the stuff that like that's crazy 720 right 720 docked and then I think 1080p like uh I mean I'm sorry 720 handheld and then 1080p when it's like docked for like the TV. But how far are you when it's uh 1080 when it's docked like you're on the TV right? 1080 when oh, it's so docked like... is like you're you're watching it through the TV screen. Oh, that's okay. when it's when it's docked you're watching it through the TV We're screen. Still, In handheld it only does 720. 720 that's really bad. Well I mean for a handheld I don't think that what's the screen size again? I forgot. It didn't mention it here, but I believe I saw enough reports where it mentioned like it's like zero point five inches bigger in each like direction. But the total size? I don't remember off the top of my head. It doesn't mention it in the article. You see my switch though. You have an idea, kind of. Yeah, that's bad. Seven twenty for that size. Of and they're screen. charging fifty bucks more for it too. Three fifty. Three fifty, Johnny. Fifty more bucks. You can get an entry digital PS Five at four hundred dollars. You can also get an entry Series S Xbox and still have fifty dollars left over. Yeah, it's a, that's no good. I 
like the article says, like why on the gamer, why on the go gamers just really don't care is because there's not really much. I mean, there's not much to offer. You're slightly improving the colors. You're slightly improving the screen size, but like the core gameplay experience, like the battery's not like a better battery. It's not a longer lasting battery. Like that would have at least made me be like, hmm, okay, for fifty bucks more, like that's kind of worth it. Now that I would buy it because I already have a Switch, I'm happy with mine. But like none of these features scream to me like, oh yeah, for fifty bucks. Like if I didn't if I didn't have a Switch already, and my options were the regular Switch and then this OLED one. So they're phasing out the other one. There's no mention of that, but that seem they are phasing. I think yeah, I think I did read they're phasing out the old the original model, and they're keeping the Switch Lite, which is like the one that's you can't take off the Joy Cons. It's just like attached to it, the mini one. Mm-hmm. And this one's gonna be, I think, the new one like taking the place of it. So you said the at least it's not significant for the battery. Uh, the battery like, isn't different. They're not improving the battery life. They're not improving the resolution. They're not even improving the Joy Cons, which have had issues like reportedly for like years already. Like nothing that's like important isn't being improved on. So it's kind of like yeah, why I was gonna go into maybe because there's a chip shortage. They were gonna go into OLED. OLED is supposed to save more energy. But not even that. Not the old, not that. I mean, you're talking about the chip shortage in terms of like for like res, like power, like like GPU, right? Yeah, but different screen tech consumes more power. Right, right. So I thought maybe if there's a shortage, if they went to the OLED, it will kind of save on battery. If they went to like some different type of chip, right, a more inferior chip that mm-hmm. consumed uh, a little more. It consumed like a little more energy, but because it was OLED, it would kind of even balance out. out, right? Yeah, but they're not even going with that. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't see an explanation of why this you this, you need to pay fifty bucks, fifty bucks more. Yeah, um, a lot of people were disappointed. I think a lot of gamers thought, uh, like, why isn't Nintendo like doing something better with this? And like, I've seen some people kind of excuse Nintendo, where they're like, Nintendo's never been about like raw horsepower, and that is true. They never really been about like. The best visuals, the best this. It's already charging you so much. Yes, man. thank you. It's, that's kind of what I'm saying. It like, should 50, be. It sh- it this should, should be the. Be. This should be like the standard 300, and just phase out the old one. Like this should be like the new like stand in for like we're not continuing with the switch. Here's like the switch, you know, the OLED one. But it's gonna be the same price or something. Like just like incremental improvements, but keeping the same price at least. So the backlash for this, do you think it's relevant at all? You think? Nintendo's gonna be like, all right, like six months, we're gonna take knock off that fifty bucks. I don't think so. I think Nintendo customers, there's very little uh, to use an economic term, very little elasticity. Where like Nintendo customers are gonna buy Nintendo products no matter what. You know that way. You should know that way before you get into Nintendo because. If you look at their track record, their games rarely go down in, in value. The games, yeah. The software yeah. itself pretty much stays the same for like the price-wise. They don't really put their games on sale. Like Very rarely do they ever do that. I remember last year during Black Friday, GameStop had like all first-party Nintendo games for like half off. They're like 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I should have taken advantage and bought some, but I didn't because I was being cheap. But yeah, they almost never, ever, ever, ever put their games on sale. At least not the first-party games. Third-party is like a different situation, but... First party never goes on sale. Yeah, Nintendo knows what it's doing. It's kind of like, I've told you, we talked about this. They're like the Disney of the video game world. Where well, they yeah. know like their product is like a premium and people are going to pay no matter what they charge. I know they know what they're doing, but it's just fucked up that you don't get quality like aesthetics along with that price tag. 
mean, like, you get the aesthetics, but you don't get the the stuff that matters, like the good stuff, the quality of life improvements. Mm-hmm. Like their uh, what is it? Their um, connect connecting online. Like if you want to join in somebody's game, their Nintendo. Yeah, their online infrastructure is just kind of. It's not that. It's not that great. So. Anyways, moving on to the next story because I don't want to talk about Nintendo anymore. Johnny, let's get talk about the state of play. So here I have a list from the PlayStation blog because uh, I forgot. Here is a list of the games in order that were shown at the show. So the first thing they opened up with, I, I, I was so confused. I'm like, what is this? And then I saw it was basically Moss, just the second one with a little mouse. I was like, ah. as a VR guy, like that doesn't really speak to me. You you don't even play VR, so I'm guessing you don't even you can care you couldn't care any less about Moss, right? No. All right, so moving on beyond that, uh, we saw this next game was it being um, who's the studio behind it? I forgot Arcade Arcade Gaiden. This was the second game. This was being I forgot the name of the studio, but they're the ones who did the Friday the Thirteenth game. Oh no! There's uh, only one game I liked from the state of play. Okay, we'll get to that one. Arcade Gun. This was like that weird, like multiplayer shooter with like the weird, like weapons. It was a first person one. It looks really kind of like. It reminds me of PlayStation, like the racing game, the destruction, destroy all, destroy destruction all stars, destruction all stars. Thank you. Or it kind of looks like okay, this is something, but it's not really anything for me. Moving on. We saw uh, another game called Tribes of Midgar. This was like the one with like the Norse kind of thing going on. Johnny, I don't know if you remember. Oh, this one was a downer. This uh, it says Norsefell Games Action RPG launches July twenty seventh, so that's like two weeks from now. But that's just the beginning. The team dives into the post launch plans and the state of play update. So it was like more about this. This game didn't really do much for me. It was the one. It was like that magicy looking sword game. Mm-hmm. Really, it didn't. It didn't excite me. This next one looks kind of interesting. Fist. Yep. This is the one with the rabbit. Yeah, this one looks cool. Like the mechanic. So Fist does it for you. Yeah, the aesthetics look very nicely polished. Looks consistent. I mean, it's it's cool. It looks dope. It looks interesting. This was a game we saw, I think, last year. Yeah, we saw a while ago. We saw. I don't know if it was like the when they showed the PS5 the first time, but I remember seeing. I was like. Once it showed the rabbit with the mechs, I'm like, oh, we've seen this before. I yeah. forgot the name, but there you go. Fist no, Forge. No, I caught my attention from the first time around. Forged in Shadow Torch. It looks kind of like a Metroidvania, right? Like a 2D side-scroller kind of. Mm-hmm. It looks interesting. Um, if it's 20 bucks or less, I'll give it a try. If it's any more than that, I will wait. Because it looks interesting, but it doesn't look like I have to play this. You know what I mean? Quality-wise, though, it looks like on par with uh, Little Nightmares. Yeah, but okay, Little Nightmares was a game that was like twenty bucks. Like I paid for. Oh uh, yeah, I'm assuming that's so, the price is gonna be around. So if it's around that price, I think that's like the sweet spot for them. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, comes out September seventh on PS4 and PS5. We'll see. Hunters Arena Legends. Right? This was the battle royale game with like the where you hunt creatures, but also you hunt each other. You hunt monsters, but you also hunt other players. Did you see that? I, well, of course you saw this one. Do you remember this one though? No. Okay, so it's kind of forgettable for you. It says, leap into a 30-player melee match when Hunter's Arena joins PlayStation Plus August 3rd. Okay, so we're not even going to have to pay for this to play it. It's going to be on PlayStation Plus. Makes me a little curious. That makes you... Well, it's a Battle Royale. When was the last time you paid for a Battle Royale? Uh, Fortnite, you play 10 bucks when you first get into it. First get initiated. Oh, you don't. You can download Fortnite for free. No, you could play it for free. But yeah. if you want to like get into like, hey, I want this skin, I want this. And that. Oh, well, that's cosmetic stuff. Yeah, though. and then like you can ride out your whole. Okay, when Fortnite I said pay career. for a battle royale, I mean like to to play it in the first place. Uh, uh, 
I don't know. Exactly. So the fact that it's on PlayStation Plus makes me think like, okay, that's why because it's like about a Royale game. Like people don't really buy those outright. Then we got to my favorite one from the presentation. Do you know which one it is? Sifu. Uh, uh, Sifu. That's right. This game looks dope. It says, fight, fall, fight again in this latest look at slow claps. Kung Fu beat him up each time the hero gets KO'd. He does rise again, but ages each time. Oh, that's the premise. Right. Excited to learn more as we close in on the game's 2022 release. So we're not seeing this till next year, at least. Mm. At the earliest. This game looks dope. I like the art, the fighting style. Yeah, I thought him aging was just based on like chapters. No, it seems like when you lose or die, you come back as older. So I'm wondering, like, do you eventually die of old age? Like, you die too many times? And this is from a, the same people who made Absolver, which is like a really dope fighting game. I don't like Absolver. So I'm curious to see how this... I'm, I'm excited about Sifu. It looks cool. Then we saw Jet the Far Shore, Johnny. This was like the one with the... A little disappointing. The ship on the ocean, and then like you like kind of like it reminded me of it gave me No Man's Sky vibes, where it was like kind of ex- it emphasizes exploration and like development. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I didn't see anything up close. Like you don't see like the little people; they're all blocky and stuff. And then you see them, and they kind of look kind of funny. Yeah, the first reveal of this, I was like, "This is interesting. This looks cool." Uh huh. But now that I see it, completely off this wagon. Like ah, like it was better being a mystery, huh? Yeah. I'm interested. Not not like a day one purchase, but I would I would play it so, should the situation arise. And then we saw a trailer for Demon Slayer. Uh, this probably doesn't appeal to you, Johnny. This was like the anime looking game because it is based off of anime with the sword fighting and stuff. No interest. Demon Slayer looks cool. I love the anime. Not too excited about the game. That comes. Let's see, let's sh- yeah, the game comes out October fifteenth on PS4. Then we saw a trailer for Lost Judgment, Johnny. This was like the the Sega game from the same people who make the Yakuza games. Lost Judgment is like follows like a detective who gets into like street brawls every now and then. I saw a little bit of it. It says equal parts grisly and goofy, this trailer for the anticipated sequel is sure to turn heads. Attempt to solve two impossible murders when Lost Judgment hits PS4 and PS5 September 24th. A lot of these games, which makes sense, are like fourth quarter late third quarter uh this year so september october seems to be the trend here and then we got death stranding director's cut that comes out um what was it september 5th was that what it was september something right yeah it's around september yeah i'll give that a shot it seems like if you have the ps4 copy of the game like you, it's only 10 bucks to upgrade mm-hmm. so i'm gonna instead of playing full price i'm gonna look for like a used copy of death stranding and then just upgrade at 10 from there well i hope i could just upgrade mine and then you can just get it from there oh wait so do you do you own the physical game or you own it digitally digital okay you should be able to upgrade it from there then and i can just like snag it from there hopefully and then we got to the actual crown jewel of the whole presentation death loop we got like a whole like 10 minutes of just pure death loop yeah just not my type of game yeah i agree but, i know a lot of people are hyped for this game they're like oh this looks so cool and then like yeah. oh it's taking advantage of the ps5 technology and like all of that and i'm kind of just like the 10 minutes they showed like ironically kind of made me even less interested in the game because i feel like we've been seeing way too much of this game for the last like year i don't see how this is next gen like what about it is, is next gen i think it they just meet nice. the loading i think they're talking about like this oh, quick loading all right where like you so were when you like die or the, the cycles and stuff yeah oh, okay i think that's what it is 
It looks cool. It just doesn't really speak to me. I mean, the the only thing I really liked that I saw, actually heard, was the music. The music's really cool. I like the jazzy. Actually, you're right about that. The music is is cool. I like the. It has like that '60s '70s kind of funk like feeling to it. Mm -hmm. I like that. The weapons don't really seem interesting to me. The stealth mechanics look kind of cool. Stealth does actually look great. Yeah. Uh, what is it like? You teleport to areas and you can hide behind like like the backstage. And, yeah. And then you have to monitor them because you're not quite sure who's who. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's the whole concept of like, oh, there's this other person hunting you while you're hunting. And I'm like, oh, that to me that makes me that makes me feel like not frustrated. It makes me feel kind of like um, like there's just too much going on. Kind it's of anxious. Huh? Anxious. Anxious is a good word to explain it. I was thinking more kind of like I like cluttered kind of like too much going on too much to like mentally keep track of if that uh, makes sense that works for me i think that works yeah i'm just like Try, always keep it feels like it, it's like if you ever played a game where hey, probably not because you don't play rpgs that much but there's rpgs where they have like like here's like the free period to do whatever you want but like as soon as you finish this free period like you can't come back to this and you're like oh man i feel like i have to do everything then in this moment mm-hmm. it feels kind of like that where like you have to man I don't like managing multiple things at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like that's kind of like the part of this whole death loop thing where you have to kill her and she has to kill you, but you also have to kill these other people while you have to worry about her. And I'm like, ah, oh, I just feel tired. It makes me feel tired just thinking about it. I don't know if that's kind of like me being like whiny, but it just doesn't speak to me. Maybe if I played it, I might have a different opinion, but... This is another Bethesda game, and I've never really been into Bethesda. Yeah, you're right. This is Bethesda. This is... Well, it's Arcane Studios, which is Bethesda own, and they do... Uh, they did Prey and some of the other games. So that expl- And, um... Yeah, I tried Prey. Didn't like it. Uh, shoot. What's that one? Because of the D. Doom? No. The other one. The one uh, where you teleport, and you do all the weird stuff, and, uh... Dishonored. Dishonored. There you go. Dishonored. Okay. Which has, like... I think that's, like, its closest thing to this game... Because Dishonored has you teleporting behind stuff. It has the multiple approaches to like assassinating a target kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Dishonored, well, is okay. Like, it's fun. But it's just... Yeah. It doesn't really appeal to me. I feel like the whole state of play being centered around this one game kind of made it like... Man, like... Uh, I mean, they told us in advance, right? Like, it's going to focus on Dishonored. I mean, it's going to focus on Deathloop and a few like third-party updates. Yeah, as far as the state of play goes, I think this is the weakest Sony state of play. Absolutely. But I think they told you up front, like, hey, just, they didn't tell you lower your expectations, but they, they were keep like, them in check. we're not going to have God of War, Horizon, or none of these crazy titles they're expecting. Now, John, just have, tame have you heard this rumor that we're supposed to get updates on those on August? Yeah, I have heard of that. What do you think? You think it's going to, I feel like this is very lackluster. Like, they have to have something else for this summer, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right? I feel like this is kind of, this isn't the same it, Chief. Well, I mean, Horizon is supposed to come out by at least before December, if not December, right? Because mm-hmm. there wasn't a release date on that. They're t- they, I think it was like 2021, like quarter four or something. Yeah, so they've got to have crazy marketing coming up those couple, these months, right? So August and September, but very likely August. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, and with that, we'll move on to our last story for the day, which is also PlayStation related. This one... Uh, let's see, it comes to us by IGN, the big boys themselves, written by Rebecca Valentine. Uh, she just joined IGN recently, actually. She used to be at, uh, uh, was it uh, biz.game, or 
games.biz. There you go. That's what it's called. Anyways, she writes, why indie publishers are fed up with PlayStation. Multiple publishers speak on social media and directly to IGN about Sony's lack of communication, sale restrictions, and the struggles of indie games to get noticed on its platforms. Let's dive in. After a console generation in which it seemingly abandoned indies in the face of the overwhelming success of the PS4, it appears that Sony's struggle to court small developers is far from over. A group of indie publishers have taken to Twitter this week to express their frustrations with the console giant, pointing out issues like its lack of communication, frustrating bureaucracy, issues with discoverability, and severe limitations on when and how games can be put on sale. The conversation was kicked off by Neon Doctrine co-founder Ian Garner, who wrote a Twitter thread criticizing Platform X, end quote, which he said was a very successful console and does not have Game Pass. So he's not being too subtle there. Garner's thread, which has been quote tweeted by several indie publishers at the time of publication, affirming many of the issues he lists, criticizes the so-called Platform X's tools communications, and interest in supporting indies. He calls out a lack of transparent processes, poor communication, and extremely limited ability to discount games, and an inability to get games promoted on the store without either obscure or expensive methods. Quote, Platform X gives developers no ability to manage their games. In order to get promotion, you must jump through hoops, beg and plead for any level of promotion. And a blog is not as good as they think it is, he wrote. If Platform X doesn't like your game, no fanfare, no feature, no love. Okay, and then we have a tweet from uh, from, from him. He says, okay, I am mad enough to burn some bridges because honestly, what's the point of a bridge when I am not allowed to cross? <laughs> That's a good one. So here's the third about Platform X. I will not be defining Platform X, but it's the opera. Yeah, okay. So this is kind of like a recap of that. The conversation sparked by the thread comes at a time when Sony seems to be trying, in small ways, to nudge the narrative around its indie support in a more positive direction. Last year, it launched a $10 million fund to support indie developers during COVID-19, and it's recently appointed Shuhei Yoshida to lead a new initiative to support indie studios. This is following a PS4 console generation during which Sony seemed largely uninterested in such support, letting its efforts lapse and be largely outshone by its competitors' programs in ID and Xbox and Nintendo's Nindies, later Nintendo Indie World, which have historically included in-person showcases, numerous digital showcases, blogs, tweets, and behind-the-scenes support in just a whole lot of games. Following Garner's thread, I spoke to four other indie publishers and two indie developers one who self-published, about its contents, all of whom named Sony as the platform they specifically were criticizing, though they could not speak for Garner. Those I spoke to expressed frustration with various aspects of Sony's internal processes, communications, and restrictions that they said made it more challenging to release games on its platforms, especially smaller games. They also lamented the challenges of getting indie games seen anywhere but many pointed out that Sony actively hampered or was at least indifferent to these struggles, making PlayStation an extremely challenging platform for indie game sales compared to its competitors. In all subsequent communications, Garner declined to identify which console he was speaking of. 
I mean, there's only three. It's clearly not two of them. But context clues from the thread, such as the mentioned official blog posts and certain pricing details, can be used to tie his narrative in which the stories of others who spoke up. In our follow-up conversation, Garner acknowledged that at least some of the issues he brings up are common across multiple platforms, not just Platform X. For instance, he remarked in his Twitter thread that wish lists have no effect, but he and others later told me that this is largely true on all console platforms. It's really only Steam where wish lists are critical to indie game success. Similarly, those I spoke to confirmed lot checks, a term specifically used by Nintendo, but which was used referring to compliance checks across all three platforms, are frustrating everywhere, though two people pointed out to me that PlayStation's compliance checks were by far the most complex in terms of process, communication, and user feedback. But Garner is in debt adamant that what he calls platform x is especially bad for indies for a couple of reasons the first he said is a challenging frustrating amount of paperwork and bureaucracy involved with getting a game published on the platform multiple people i spoke to mentioned having to fill out numerous forms or go through various back-end softwares to find the things they were looking for often without much help or support two said it was extremely challenging or even expensive to get a single dev kit pointing out that Xbox had provided dev kits to either themselves or colleagues easily and for free. All right, there's way more to this article, but there's no way I'm going to read all of it because I'm like, what I just said, Johnny, makes up like one-fifth of the top of the page. So I'm going to end it there. If you guys really want to read this, and I'm pretty sure this is like a very super in-depth article, uh, you can find it on IGN, uh, written by Rebecca Valentine, and yeah. Okay, Johnny, there's a lot to dissect here. Isn't that... Rebecca Valentine, is that she a Resident Evil? No. There's Rebecca Chambers. There's Rebecca Chambers and Jill Valentine. There we go. That's, that's why I got it wrong. <laughs> so it's a combination of the two characters. <laughs> All right, Johnny. So you had a couple of takes on this. There's, we're going to break this down. Um, the certification process where you say like it's more complicated, that I do know for sure because of uh, there's a game that I'm playing right now, This Guy is Six that is on ps4 in japan and switch but it's only on the switch here in the u.s and the reason for that is because i understand that sony's certification process is much uh not, i don't know harsher is the right word but it's much more difficult whereas like on pc or like on xbox it's way easier to get a game certified like 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 you say like checks like the the marks and stuff so uh sony has like a much harsher vetting process but um talking about i have experience where he talks about like a discoverability being an issue where i've looked for games on the psn store and like unless you spell out the entire word it's really hard to find if you put like the first few letters like it'll give you things that are close mm-hmm. but if you want to find like a specific game that came out that day you have to go to like the games that came out that day and then you have to like scroll through every single one just to find it like it is not easy to find certain games in the search bar even when they do have them so okay. That, I know for sure, is an issue. But, Johnny, what do you think about the whole... Uh, you had a take earlier where you said like, about the, the cost of having to put yourself on the front page on the PSN store. The 25000 like 20000 20, I believe it is. Not mentioned in this article, but in other articles that we've read. Uh, I'm a little bit mixed on this. Uh, a lot of people are saying that the indies are correct, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like Sony just has a massive filter. Okay, my issue with it... 
Okay, the part where I agree with it is how can you not put a discount on your own game, right? Yeah, you should be able to set your own price. Yeah, that's my main gripe with Sony. Agree. As as far as this indie issue goes. So the other part of it is, is like features. You have to pay a high price to get featured, right? That's just advertisement, I think. Part, yeah, actually. Okay, but there's so many indies. There's so many games. Wouldn't there just be like a flood of games on the PS Store, right? So let's just say they all pay a thousand bucks and they all get featured. How much time does that leave for, to actually be featured, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. So like, let's just say there's like a hundred thousand indies. And right. that leaves every indie with like five minutes to be featured. Like, what kind of traction are you going to get with such a limited amount of time to be featured? Right. You know? Right. Those are just like random numbers, but you get what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like the no one's special if everybody's special kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all that like bureaucracy and the high price to get. For you would just features. get you would just i mean the player would just be more annoyed by the flood of like ads. exactly i'd be like overwhelmed I'm, I'm more the type of like just give me like the big stuff right right like of course i like indies i do play indies but i don't want to filter like because then it feels like netflix or one of these other services where you get a ton of stuff and it's just like i don't know what the fuck to watch and you know you know that example uh when somebody goes to like an ice cream parlor and they have like fucking 50 flavors on there like i don't know what the fuck to pick uh, and then i believe they call it paralysis by analysis yeah there's that but like with the ice let's go with the the ice cream analogy like you kind of sit there and then you make a decision and you leave and you're like you know what i kind of should have got the other fucking ice cream right instead of having like four flavors and you're like very decisive of like this is what i want this right? reminds me of the story of why like, mcdonald's was like super successful in the beginning Oh yeah. If you've heard exactly. this story, it's because like unlike other restaurants at the time where like they tried to they had so many things on the menu, mm-hmm. McDonald's had like I think like ten things. And they decided which items to put up for sale based off like popularity. Mm-hmm. Whereas like other fast food places had like they tried to like branch out too much into like different things. Yeah. And it just was not like cost effective. Mm-hmm. Like pe- like the money they were making, but also like the materials and like all the ingredients and all the stuff they needed. It's kind of like the in and out Actually, it's more apt like, like in and out where you have, like, three things, but it's just the same thing done, like, in three different sizes. Where it's like, you know they do one thing, but they do that one thing really well, mm-hmm. right? So you're saying, like, the PSN store, like, if you have... You go for, like, the big major AAA stuff, right? And a handful of sprinkling of, like, specific indies. Mm-hmm. But not... You don't want to see the front page just flooded with indies and you're just, like... Because then that becomes, like, do I really want to check what's new? Is it going to be, like, a chore, exactly it's like you're gonna go through fucking a thousand games until you decide what you're really gonna get right right i mean that's one aspect but it's also with sony being a company like i'm assuming sony knows what games like what publishers etc expect expect to garner a certain amount of quant- of money right right so they know like you know what ea game is gonna give us a ton they're gonna make a certain amount of copies and they- and then we're gonna take a cut out of that right so if you feature these indies that honestly aren't going to make as much as that giant game that you're going to feature mm-hmm. you're going to get like these you're going to get pennies on the game right like, exactly so yeah i feel for the indie but at the same time like why is his game trump a game where they spent like fucking 80 mil on it you know i don't think so much okay yeah i mean it doesn't trump like i want you to change my mind on this because i feel for the guy 
And I don't necessarily like what I'm saying. Right. But it's just like the facts, capital, like capitalism. I want to say capitalism, but it's like it's what sells is what sells, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of, um, I feel like a solution to this would be like, you know how if you've ever joined a new app like Spotify or like a new streaming app, the first thing they ask you is like, what are your interests? Mm-hmm. Right. They kind of they kind of like cater to you based off of like, okay, think of based off your, what you've listened to, we recommend this and this and this, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like if PSN could do that, where like they ask you off the bat, like what are the genres or like types of games you're intru- into? And if you put like indies or something, then at least that we have like a fighting chance for that to like pop up or something. Cause then it'd be more like a personalized catered experience. Sort of, but no, cause I feel like that would put you like in this niche category. You oh, you're opening like, you up to anything new. All right, too isolating kind of thing. Yeah, like what if you open the store and then you're like in this niche category? You go in there and you're like, "Fuck, there's no nothing in my niche." I guess there's nothing. I feel like that would be taken care of by other people that you know who are like, "Oh, have you heard of this game? Are you been playing this?" Like, there's Some certain people don't have friends. Well, there's certain games that rise to the top naturally, like the like cream of the crop, right? Like those are the games that like like Among Us or Fortnite that like they don't need advertising on the PSN store so much. Like you know what I mean? Like, those games kind of just, like, rise naturally to the top. You're going to hear about those. Okay. Right? I don't think there... The thing is, I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all solution to this. Okay, well, the other part of this I feel unless they do, like, a featured, like, daily, like, kind of thing where, like, oh, here's a game you haven't heard about, and then, like, the next day it changes. Mm -hmm. At least then. And it's just one game, so it's not, like, a constant flood. Okay. That might be another solution. But there are still more indies than there are days in the year. So that is true. I mean, how many indies are there? You can't ca- you and- can't cater to all of them. You can't. You just can't. It's gonna have to be just some, maybe random. I don't know how. Okay. The other question uh, about this was they're saying that Microsoft and Nintendo were doing a better job, right? They do better job of showcasing indies throughout the year. So they're saying they're having like uh, these little events. Yeah, the the Nindies, which yeah, they changed the name and the ID at Xbox. That's always been like independent developers. So stuff. is that is that the big company's responsibility or is that the Indies' responsibility to get out there, their name out there? I think those are initiatives by Xbox and Nintendo to kind of spotlight on certain games they feel like are worth like worthy. See, they're still playing the worthy game though. I but think why I'm is not that sure. System better than. Uh, PlayStation's is like because uh... they're more they're more frequent. Okay. Like Nintendo, there's more Nintendo like uh, directs than there is state of PlayStation state of play throughout the whole year. Okay. Yeah, that seems to be see, the main. I'd have to see numbers on that. Like, like uh, is Sony? Get, I mean, okay. Is least... Nintendo getting like a massive cut from those indies that are being featured, or is that like a out of pocket thing? Where they don't really gain. I think it's kind of thing where like a rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Where like if you're buying stuff through Nintendo, like we're we're seeing some kind of return on that. All right. Okay. Let me look up. Is there more Nintendo Directs than PlayStation State of Plays? And I feel like the answer is going to be yes, but I don't know. Uh, let's see. Is there more Nintendo? Did you mean yes? I did. Okay. Uh, all right. How often are Nintendo Directs? This is the closest one. How often there's Nintendo Direct? General Nintendo Directs, long ones full of big announcements, are held at least four times a year, with smaller presentations sprinkled on dates in between. 
see what how often how often is the state of play i bet she's gonna be like not that much how often that's probably like four years are there state of plays uh let's see uh, how often are there state of play did you mean yes i did when is the next state of play state of play news is Sony doing a state of play? What is a state of play? What time is this? Okay, it's too convoluted. The point is, Nintendo think, does more, I think. I I'm think maybe sure. Sony has to do something with their state of plays. Make those well, they like, used to be more like indie-friendly like during the PS3. Like During the PS3 era, like PlayStation was like the king of like indie games. Where like, like Xbox had indie games, but like PlayStation had like way more going on back then. So, I'm wondering what happened. Like, why did... Sony it's cyclical. It's cyclical. We kind of like you kind of get pompous, and I think you're like, ah, we don't need to cater to you anymore. Like we're good. It's kind of just like convenience, I think. But did it get pompous, or did they realize like, fuck, this shit is like really draining us, and we're still fucking competing. We still got to compete against these fucking Tencent and Microsoft. Well, the fact that Nintendo and Microsoft are doing it tells me that it's not that big. It's not that drain of the resources. So, hmm, I don't know. I mean, this is. We real okay like, I I made this joke between be, between us before where I was like, but I said like we're like we're the like the Zap and Roger of video game podcasts and like instead of computer love it's like PlayStation love right so we have like a huge PlayStation like lean right yeah and like it sucks to see PlayStation being cast this way but like if they're really being like hard to work with and that's just like how it is they're just being being hard to work with no I don't mind saying anything negative about Sony but. Right. I don't see an argument that's like very uh, clear cut to me. I guess like, we would. Ha- I'm asking you, like, why is it so much easier for Xbox and Nintendo than PlayStation? And I haven't heard any podcast well, or anything give me like a very definitive answer of, of why it's easier. Well, part of the article mentioned that PlayStation has way more requirements for certification. Like, mm-hmm. you have way more paperwork, and like I know for I know like mobile. And Steam, the way the reason those like phone games, phone apps, and phone games, and like PC, like Steam, and all that, those are the easiest way to get certified. Those have the easiest certification process. It's like not that expensive. Mobile, mobile games, yes. Fucking anything goes on. Exactly, mobile. and so that's why like those are like that's where the money is like in mobile gaming and also like PC, right? Yeah. That's where like the those services are like are like popular. Nintendo uh, used to do like the thing where you had like this Nintendo seal of approval where like like okay your game's like quality like Nintendo back in the day used to be super exclusive where like uh, you know what I've told you like where Nintendo used to only allow like you can only make this many games for the Nintendo this year because because they were like quality was like always a concern with Nintendo yeah it's something I forgot to mention um, fucking lost my train of thought was it about mobile was it about PC was it about Nintendo Oh, um, what happens when you indies finally get onto the onto the platform, right? Uh, uh-huh. You're on the store, you purchase a game, and the game is just fucking garbage. Then what happens? Like people want to return this shit. Steam has a like a two hour return policy, I think, where from where you start the game to like two hours from then, like you have like that's the time you have to return the game. From when you purchase it, or when from you play we play it. it. Okay, that's a pretty good policy. Because they it's tied to like the DRM. They know when you start. Yeah, because I was gonna say like, what if people get the game and don't play it right away no no and then the <laughs> game is shit or or they play it and it's okay and then like a few days it gets bad like after full of fucking bugs yeah and, shit. and then what happens like 
Sony has to deal with all these refunds, right? Is it Sony dealing with the refunds, or is it the Indies dealing with the refunds? It would be through Sony because they're the ones handling the money, I believe. Yeah, so I mean that'd be another filter. Like we don't want to deal with with this crazy return policy. The two-hour thing is cool, but then what happens when you like have this massive flood of Indies? I guess on PC, it's I have to imagine if they probably have like less of a role in it, where it's probably easier. I don't know. The question is if. Microsoft and Nintendo are, can do it. Why can't like so PlayStation do yeah, it? Yeah, that's what I keep asking. But it doesn't seem like there's an easy answer other than just less certification required, less less of an arduous process, basically. Yeah, and why did why did Sony do it a lot more than they do now? Yeah, because I'll tell you what, when I go on the Nintendo eShop, like they're they're it's the interface is way less like it's way more plain. Mm-hmm. It's much less cluttered than the the PSN one. Mm-hmm. And also, like, if you want to look up indie games, there's, like, a specific tab for, like, indies. And, like, you can see everything you need to look for. Like, not a specific tab, but I'm sorry. Um, they have a featured section, and it's indies mixed in there with, like, big stuff that came out recently. But then again, Nintendo has less of a problem because they have less third parties anyways to work with. So that's, I guess, maybe that's less of an issue. I don't know. That's, that's my understanding of it. Um, hopefully, PlayStation can kind of figure out and streamline the process or make it... Because the whole part about not being able to discount your own games, not knowing what exactly they're looking for when it comes to, like, partners on, on for sales or for, like, um, hitting certain, like, targets and then not having, like, the communication to tell you this is specifically what you have to do, that's kind of frustrating. Because I'm thinking of the times when I've had a teacher and it's like, here's your grade. I'm like, well, what did I do wrong? And, like, they kind of don't give you direct answers and it's, like, frustrating. So, mm-hmm. Communication needs to be worked on clearly over yeah. there at a. I'm not saying they couldn't, they can't improve at all. Like for sure, they should get on par with Nintendo and Microsoft. Right. I'm just wondering if this is more of a business decision, or if some of their systems are just kind of like too fucking old. Yeah, it's like it's not optimized or update. Yeah. Got you. I agree. All right, so that was our last story, Johnny. We got through the six stories in a timely manner. Let's see. What have you been playing lately, Johnny? Well, I played a little bit more of uh, the game you just completed. You mean Scarlet Nexus, right, Johnny? Yeah, I've been playing a little bit more of that. Uh, the mechanics are getting interesting. Now that I know that you can st- not steal, but borrow. Uh, oh, borrow the other powers? Yeah. Yeah, so you, you borrow the powers, and then sometimes that'll give you an opportunity to get a really up close with the enemy. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to your telekinesis and throw shit at them. Of the bar- of the borrowed powers you've used so far, which do you have like one that you use like a lot that you prefer, or do you kind of just use them only for situational, like situations? no, whatever's available at the time. It's I've I haven't explored enough to really say like I love this one and that one. Okay. Things are still kind of like a little too frantic. Yeah, I think you still only have like two party members, right? Yeah. Okay. So maybe three. Okay. They were wearing the dark suits. Well, they all have like the same outfit, basically. <laughs> they all kind of wear like the same uniform. Okay. Well, the mechanics are cool right now. Is the story doing much for you, or are you kind of still kind of like not sure what's nah, going it's on? No, it's that thing when I look at the cards and I, I skip those portions. Unless it's animated, I don't want to watch it. You can't, if you skip it, you're not going to fully get the full understanding. It's hard to look at those cards, dude. Okay. As somebody who's actually completed the game. Uh, my favorite thing of the game is what you kind of touched on is the combat. The combat continues to improve for like the entire first half of the game. 
Mm-hmm. So, I don't think it counts as a spoiler, but there's 12 chapters in the whole game. It's 12 chapters. And I'd say after the fifth or sixth chapter, the game kind of stops introducing new mechanics. And then for the rest of the game, you basically just spend your time mastering those mechanics you've already learned. The whole thing where you like switch the di- when you try the different powers, you borrow them. Mm-hmm. At the by the end of the game, you're going to be juggling like multiple powers at a time, or like you're going to have to use like there's going to be like the game will give you a hint like oh like uh oh, what's her name Kasane no no Kasane Kasane yeah Kasane right that's a character Kusin I forget her name but it will tell you like hey like why don't you try using this thing on this enemy because like, they're weak to this thing or whatever but then there'll be moments where like um. It's not really spoilery, but they introduce like slow motion like mechanics for like a certain character's ability is to uh, move faster, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're moving faster, everything moves slower. There's like certain monsters or certain bosses where like they're doing something like too quickly for you to counter, so you have to like slow down time to like get a hit in or something. Or like um, there's like tra- environmental traps where like the door closes too fast from the switch, so then you have to use slow mo to get to the through the door and stuff. But what I really like is how they implement, like, like we were talking about how you said you're at the fight with the Tonka truck, the construction site, basically. Yeah, yeah. And they have, I believe they they have water, right? I think they have water in the trucks, or they have some... Oh, no, they just do damage, right? the monster has water. There you go. The monster has water. But sometimes there's, like, things in the environment, like oil cans or, like, water barrels. Yeah. And if you can get, if you can hit the enemy using your, your, your uh, what do they call it? It's not telekinesis. They call it something else. Something kinesis, uh, psychokinesis. There you go, psychokinesis. You hit them with that thing, and then they're all saying they're like drenched in that element, and then you can use like that weakness to like exploit them and like do more damage and stuff. And then, have you gone to the part where like, you start building bonds with the characters or not yet? No, I haven't. Okay, so you're, there's like a social kind of like friendship system on the side where you develop like a bond with the characters. You like talk to them or you go on missions, mm-hmm. and your bond with that character will increase. As that bond increases, you get more perks. For example... Um, that sounds like uh, XCOM. Maybe. It's a common thing in the RPGs, really. But, like, it, the more the stronger your bond is with a character, like, they'll, like, sometimes take hits for you. Like, they'll jump in the last second and take a hit for you. They're more likely to, like, revive you if you die. They're more likely to... Um, they'll jump in and actually add an extra attack to an attack you're already doing. And so, like, there's, like, different, like, as the bond level increases, you'll get, like, different perks to the point where, like, they'll actually, you'll get, like, a beefed-up version of, their, like, their borrowed power. Mm-hmm. So, like, my favorite one is the electricity, using the electricity with, uh, what's his name? I can't remember the guy's name. But he's, like, the electric dude on your team, right? Yeah. There's, like, a part where, like, if you increase your bond with him enough, like, you'll be able to do, like, a special attack that, like, half the time will, like, paralyze or stun the enemy. And, like, I ended up just, like, spamming that move by the end game because I just love using it because it's so, like, effective. So there's, like, and then you can also, like, later on, there's, like, did you get to the part where you get, like, the skill tree or not yet? The brain thing? The brain tree? I'm not sure. I think I started exploring it, but I didn't have enough points, so I don't remember. Yeah, you get a certain, every level you get a certain amount of points and you can spend it on different, like, skill trees and stuff. Mm -hmm. But you get to the point where, like, if you follow this specific skill tree, by the end of the game, you'll be able to juggle, like, more than two or three powers at a time, like, borrowed. So you can have, like, super fast speed electricity and, like, clones of yourself. And, like, all of that, like, just wailing on a boss and it just, like, completely, like, just, like, destroys them. So, like, the game gives you so many options of, like, how to play, which I love that. I mean, it's all combat focused, but it juggles, it's... 
it's weird because Bandai Namco doesn't really nail games like this like effectively. They usually do more traditional turn turn based RPGs. That's what caught my interest. That it's not that that turn based. And that's yeah. That's why I was like, oh, okay, this is different because they usually do like the Tales series, which is like super super RPG ish. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that this is like a lot like not live because it's not like humans are like you know uh live acted but the fact that it's like real-time action i i love it reminds me a lot of like kingdom hearts where it has like that kind of mashing kind of gameplay mm-hmm. and i love that it's so much fun so there's a i i would say the story the overall arcing oh i'm not sure arcing's right word arching overall arching story actually picks up around like chapter five or so that's when you're like okay like i see the bigger picture now kind of thing but there's I agree with you. The whole like the card system, the side panels, the kind of like talking and just like facial expressions maybe change every few paragraphs. Like it's very, it feels very stilted. It feels very stale. Sta- stale, I guess stale. I mean, stilted, more like rigid, like very like impersonal. Like it, it, it when they do like the actual cutscenes where like there's actually stuff happening on screen like people moving around like that's like the best part right yeah that's, that all looks great when they do like the action you like 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 over the top like scenes like like, like flips and attacks and stuff like that's dope as hell mm-hmm. that's like you know, it's like marvel for me basically at that point but when they're kind of just yeah it's just static and just sitting there especially when there's like a lot of heavy dialogue i mean i'm glad that most of the dialogue is like voice acted but if it wasn't voice acting it was just like no the voice acting was good it's all right. I don't know if I would say it's good. It's all right. It's not like For what the game is. I th- I thought they did all right. Yeah, I mean, like I listened to Yuito, which is like the other main character, and the way he talks, I'm just like, uh, like uh, it feels like very kind of like soft, like very huh, like uh, like oh, uh, Kasen, uh, like you know what I mean? It's just kind of they didn't really bring like their A game. I feel, or maybe the script requires them to speak that I think way it's a, i feel like it's more of a script because this feels like that that high school drama type of thing. yes well i mean it doesn't help that they're young characters too but anyways i mean the game isn't without its flaws what i judge it based on is on what it's actually trying to do and does it actually nail that thing it's trying to do and the thing it's trying to do is deliver a japanese anime like stylish you know game in terms of story and like tropes and all that stuff it's kind of like like i hate tropes but like it is their tropes are exist for a reason right they're like what's proven to work right like you know like uh we call it not turning points but like things that go like red herrings and plot twists like those things are around for a reason right either the execution of those things is what makes a difference right whether it's good or bad yeah, but you, i you i feel tropes i feel like you can do tropes well done and it'll work in this game the tropes kind of come out of left field where it's like here's the twist like it was this thing going on and it's like okay doesn't feel like it feels it doesn't feel right but i guess it's there because otherwise it'd be too predictable kind of thing i feel like i'm kind of like, like rambling here but essentially what i'm trying to say is it doesn't feel organic no not always okay not always if you continue to play the game you'll know what i'm talking about um but it's just the gameplay the core gameplay by itself is so much fun and by the end of the game like when you're taking on like harder bosses that's like we're like like if you were just kind of coasting by this is a part where like you really have to pay attention to what you're doing 
Okay. It gets to the point where like, are you really taking advantage of the powers the way you should be? Like borrowing powers. Yeah, it's happened to me before. Where I'm not focused on. The you're kind of just mashing away. You're like, I'll get yeah, through this, and you're like, yeah. and you get to the end, you're like, oh man, I lost a lot of health. Maybe I should have been more aware or something. Yeah. <laughs> so like by the end of the game, there's like boss encounters and enemies where it's like, you really have to like, okay, I have like this much left of my like psychic meter thing. Like, can I get in a few hits to build that up, or should I borrow this power and like use this meanwhile? Like, there's so many approaches, and I think that's what sh- like serves the game very well is the ap- different approaches to combat yeah and just the 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 variety and just it's 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 just so good so good again story's kind of weak characters i actually like the characters by the end of the game i actually really do like the individual characters because they each feel like by the time you get to the end of the game if you do like the bonds they each feel like fleshed out like it's not just a sea of faces you know what i mean Mm -hmm. they actually feel like individualized characters who have different motives and different like personalities it's very good when in characterization characterization is good combat is good story is so so i would only really recommend it for people who are hungry for something kind of like near automata like that's what the combat's like uh if you like if you like anime in general you'll probably like this do the environments change much yeah there's a variety of environments later on okay like early on you're just in the city because that's one of the like the things they just kind of brush off. Well, let's talk about the environment. The main hub, the city, is like beautiful. I love the I billboards, it, the busy like New York looking city. I like the look. I just feel like it's a little too empty. It is empty. You're right. It is more. It's more stylish over substance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you that. I mean, there's like NPCs you can talk to, but they don't really say anything of like substantial importance. Yeah. There's side quests that are basically kind of just like fetch quests. They're not really worth doing, really, in my opinion. Yeah, I wish. I wish maybe the city was smaller, more condensed, but it had like little like uh, food shops, right? Okay. Like yeah. little stores, well, but this just feels like just big. Well, buildings. no, slight spoilers. You do get to see another city later on. Okay. That's much more. It looks way more like Asian in style, where like food stands and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. later on though. Um, and I know for sure you'll get there because you're playing as Kasane, just like how I did. So I know for sure that's part of the story you're gonna have to get to. But anyways, because I don't know for sure if Yuito goes to that part of the town. Um, oh, shoot. What was I about to say? Oh, but the, the, I love the whole, like, cyberpunk kind of, like, do you get the part where, like, you have, like, you see, like, the yellow police tape and you kind of, there's, like, just, like, yellow beams you just walk through? Or is no, like, not. There's a part where it's, like, a yellow police tape, like, a crime scene, but, like, they're just lights. Okay. They're not even yellow tape. It's, like, a, it's, like, a, it's, like, a floating beam of light. They're supposed to be, like, police tape. And it's just, like, funny how you just, like, walk through it, but, like. The whole like cyberpunkish Blade Runner kind of like hollow displays everywhere, but it's like supposed to be like an urbanized place. Like I love the aesthetic of the game with the red wires and like the power lines and everything mm-hmm. all over the place. I love how busy the game looks, at least in the like the suburban areas, even with like very few like actual characters, like actual NPC, like human population. Yeah. It still feels like lived in. It still feels like busy. Like, there's a lot going on, so... Anyway... Are you talking about the red wires when you're, like, traversing the the levels? Yeah. They kind of... Well, there's also... But there's, like, power lines. You can see a lot of, like, light... Like, energy... Like, electric poles. Yeah, like like the contractor did a shitty job. Yeah! They're kind of just, like, falling over. Like, he didn't get paid. He's like, man, he's tearing shit out the wall. He's like, I'm gonna do the job, but I'm not gonna do it properly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the city has, like, this lived-in urban... Kind of urban decay metropolis thing going on and i dig it i dig it it's a it's a vibe it's definitely a vibe so um 
again, I'll recommend it if you're into like anime ass stories or if you really like the the gameplay is really great. I want to see more games use this gameplay, and I definitely want a sequel. Not sure how to implement a sequel, but I want there to be a sequel. So, all right, Johnny, are you gonna continue to play it, or you think you're kind of nearing? I'm gonna keep playing it. I'm probably gonna take a slower time. Because there's really not much else to play. Yeah, Otherwise, don't. My like final Fortnite. completion time was like 30, 32 hours, I think. Damn. About 32 hours, which is actually not that long for the type of game it is. Because okay. RPGs tend to last longer. That's a long game. But 32 hours is respectable for what it does. I, it, there's no, there is no padding as long as you don't do the side quests. Like, there is no padding really in the game, I feel. Like, everything feels like the flow, like... There's always something going on. Like you're looking forward to the next like plot point. Okay. I feel at least at least past chapter five in my opinion. So, anyway, so we're kind of done talking about that. Uh, other than that, I've been. <laughs> I went back to playing Final Fantasy fourteen again. <laughs> I knew it. I, I just knew you were gonna go back to it. I started a new character. <laughs> and this is why he doesn't get to control and Death Stranding and. Oh, uh, I can't help it, Johnny. I love Final Fantasy, okay? And Final Fantasy as an MMO is even more fun. Did you, dude, did you read, did you hear the story about how um, Square Enix, like the eShop for Square Enix, like they actually ran out of digital copies of Final Fantasy fourteen. What? Now you're asking, how is that even possible? Well, apparently they have to generate keys for each of the digital copies. And they actually ran out of keys. Well, how many is that? How many games is that? For Final Fantasy fourteen? Yeah. Like how many copies? Of digital copies. I don't know how many. Let me look it up real quick. Cause actually, that's actually kind of a story. Kotaku, Kotaku, and I think, uh, Game Spot, not Stop Spot. Uh, Final Fantasy. For some reason, the game became super popular very recently. Uh, sold out. Uh, I'm gonna bring up this one from Kotaku real quick because it's relevant. It says Final Fantasy 14 is so popular, even the digital version is sold out. This is written again by our friend earlier, Ari Notice. Uh, it says, Trying to buy the MMO on Square Enix's store will get you on the waiting list. Final Fantasy XIV, the popular MMO about trying to find an apartment in San Francisco. Okay, he's being cute with this because you can actually, like, um, you can make your own home in the game, like, a, like your own, like, player home. But there's actually, like, a limit to how many homes there is because it supposedly takes in-game, like, server space to make a home. Okay. So people actually... If you don't, like, maintain or keep up your home, like, you'll lose it after a few days. So you have to, like, constantly play to keep your home. That's a pain. Yeah. So that's why he's joking about that. Uh, It's flying off the shelves digitally. Right now, when you pop onto the Square Enix store, you'll likely run into a roadblock trying to buy a download code for the game. Overnight, players on Reddit and the gaming forum Reset Reset Era... Notice that Final Fantasy XIV Complete Edition, a bundle that includes the base game along its expansions, wasn't purchasable on the proprietary store of its publisher. Indeed, right now, you can't buy a PC or PlayStation 4 download code for the game on Square Enix's site. Trying to do so lists a waiting list button in place of the typical add-to-cart option. You can currently buy Final Fantasy XIV Complete Edition without issue for Mac... You can also add it to your cart on Steam and the PlayStation Store. It's odd, right? You think that a game would only run out of stock due to physical limitations, which is why Johnny kind of was like, what? Disc, packaging, and other products contingent on ever-dwindling raw materials. 
Code, after all, is infinite. So these limitations presumably have something to do with player capacity as a sudden influx of players wouldn't exactly be great on servers. Final Fantasy XIV, though generally popular, is currently experiencing a rush of players. Earlier this month, the website PC Games N noted that Final Fantasy XIV broke its all-time record for concurrent players on Steam. Currently, more than 22 million accounts are registered with the game, according to Square Enix figures. It makes sense that the company would want to artificially throttle a new player base at least a bit. But Square clearly doesn't want to limit players too much. In a press release this morning, Square Enix announced the, the longest free login campaign ahead of the Endwalker expansion, offering to lift the subscription fee for 14 days for returning players. That offer ends August 23rd. So I see, Johnny, I'm not the only one playing Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, from what I understand, I was talking to one of my friends who plays the game also. The reason why so many people are joining now is because there was like a popular World of Warcraft streamer who's like huge on Twitch who just started playing Final Fantasy XIV. And their huge, his huge following kind of followed him to the game. So that's why, like, I guess uh, there's like a surge of new players playing because of that character. That streamer made it like even more popular. I can't, I forget his name, but he's like one of the more famous like World of Warcraft streamers. Amon is gold. Amon is gold. Something like that. So, yeah. Okay, we managed to squeeze in the seventh story this week, Johnny. That's a new record. All right. That's interesting. I'm seeing, like, other streamers. Warhammer stream. Yeah, about... I don't know why. It's been more popular than... Is it not Warhammer, or what are you talking about? No, it was, but... What, what else do you have? You have another one? No, that was it. That's all I've been playing. Okay. I started reading the article because I talked about Final Fantasy fourteen, and I just and they reminded me like, oh yeah, there was like an article I saw on that today. So, Johnny, you said you haven't been playing much. No, I'm kind of taking a break. So now that you're so square, so you're done with Resident Evil Village. Yeah, I wanted to play. I wanted to play it again, but I mean, since there's DLC coming out, might as well wait. Yeah, and you're still playing Scarlet Nexus currently. Are you? Have you played any Fortnite since last time we? A little bit, but it is the season's kind of whack. Just not. Did you really like the last one with all the animals and stuff? Yeah, I like the bows. Bows are cool. I don't like bows. Give me a sniper rifle any day. Well, I do like the pulse rifle. That thing's pretty dope. Is that the one that looks like a railgun? Yeah, it's a railgun. It shoots out. A it's the purple one that with a with a like it has like a arching like thing that goes up, right? Nah. Which one's the one I'm thinking of? It's like a laser that does that, where like it curves upward. And then you have to, like, charge it, too. Well, you got to charge it. I don't know about the curving thing. Oh. It's just a long railgun. It's the purple one, right? The purple light? It's a red light. Okay, I've seen a purple one. Maybe it's just a different skin for it, then. Well, there's different classes of it. Oh. Like, there's the blue, the purple. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the actual, like, laser light is purple. Nah, I've only seen a red one. Okay. All right, Johnny, so let's... Oh, you're talking about the ray gun. Is that... Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Is that different? Yeah, there's a Rogan and a Reagan. Okay. It just looks like a laser weapon of some kind. It's like a choppy laser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You have to like, it's, it's not like a beam. You have to fire like several shots kind of thing. Yeah. All right. All right, Johnny. Let's wrap this up. Let's wrap up this puppy and send it home with the pitch. Now, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are new and do not know what the pitch is, the pitch is a segment where Johnny and I both take two containers, one container contains 
genres for video games such as first person shooters, racing, fighting, platformers, RPGs. The other one contains themes as in Wild West, horror, space, ocean, someplace in the world, or World War II, stuff like that. And we take one of each, mash them together, and come up with the idea for a video game that way. It's just something fun we'd like to do to kind of get our minds percolating and kind of end the podcast on a somewhat creative end note. I'll pick up. This one, my drawing? Picking two. Yeah. All right. So we're picking two this time. Yeah, well. Well, because last time it was three, and then we chose from those three. Yeah, we could do that. I'm doing two. Two is what you said. At least this way we have some control over the... It's not too weird or random. It doesn't make sense. What I want to do, Johnny, in the future is I want to mash two genres together, like racing and platforming. Or like RPG and first-person shooting. Oh, well, we have Borderlands. That's right. All right. This is dope. I got RPG. Speaking of the devil, RPG. One we already got last time. That was uh, Middle East. You know who actually liked that one? A friend of the show, Joe Castellanos of the new of the None of Our Business podcast. He loved that pitch that we did. I have RPG and Haunted. Haunted is not a game genre. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's not a gaming genre. Like, who's ever heard of like Haunted? Yeah, that's like a theme. That's not really a genre game. So I want to put put that to the side and try again. I think we got I that think, works though. That really works. In what way does that? It's not a genre. <laughs> That's more of a subject matter or theme of her game. Oh, it's not... I put Scary House? What did I put? Haunted? It just is Haunted. That's more like a setting. Okay, I have Finance Tycoon and RPG. What do you got? Are any of those compatible with what you have? You have two, right? Yeah, Haunted. No, Haunted is the one I put to the side. The... Okay. That's not yours. You have two more. Well, the Middle East, I put it back because we did that last time. Oh, okay. I got... Space Station. Okay, we did Space Station Financial Tycoon once already. Did we? Yes, we did. It was the one where we had to manage a space station while keeping it like from like someone like su- uh, sub. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Suborbital? Sabotaging. Yeah. Alright. I think you grabbed for the wrong jar, Johnny. No, these are all orange. Why are they all the same color then? Those are yellow those are the uh no i just grabbed this one right now these match what you've been grabbing right okay this is dope too this is dope setting what do you have underground base underground base oh i'm grabbing from the modifier one that's why i'm confused never mind okay underground base and what was the other one space station space station underground base and base they're both bases of ties just one's underground one's above yeah I have RPG, Financial Tycoon. Which ones are we mashing together? Tycoon. See, Tycoon I'm leaning towards. Tycoon feels too limited. Okay. Like, because Underground Base and, and Station, it's like very claustrophobic, you know? Yeah. So. RPG then? Like, what am I selling? Like, if it's. If <laughs> what it's, am I selling? <laughs> I mean, I could, I could make it a game. If it's Tycoon, it's 1950s. Uh, space threat of race. nukes, yeah, space race, the threat of nukes, and I'm selling bases, right? You're selling fall, like Fallout shelters. Fallout shelters, exactly. <laughs> but then, that's too limiting. 
Yeah, that's yeah. kind of where the game kind of ends. It's like, all right, you fucking. Okay, so maybe we throw in RPG though, and you put in the same underground well, base. Well, you could you could trash one, and you could pick a secondary one. Um, okay, I guess. I really like the idea of RPG in in the in the in the base underground base because then it's like... no, we could do RPG in underground base, but we can pick two or just keep one. All right, let me try another one here. This other one is, you put Neolithic. Neolithic, I think it is. Like rocks? Yeah. What's Neolithic? I know it has to do with rocks. What does that mean? Neolithic. I feel like it's like a time era. Right? Yeah, era, right? it, it is, but I forget if it's right before the Stone Age. Okay, I'm going to look it up real quick. Neolithic. It's Neo like, sounds oh, new, though. It's going to be like a mammoth. Neolithic. Because Neo is new in Latin, or di- or at least like different. Neolithic, relating to or denoting the later part of the Stone Age, when ground or polished stone weapons and implements prevailed. The later part of the Stone Age when ground... Yeah, okay, so Neolithic is like... I'm looking at the pictures. This looks like after, like, caveman times, but before, like, proper settlements. Actually, that works. Okay, so what are we mashing together? So we could do Neolithic and underground base. Okay, so why would we need an underground base in Neolithic times? Okay, we can go, I think, in two directions. <sighs> All right. Two directions. Let's think about this one. You might have to do some some serious cutting for the pie. Oh, don't tell me you're going to be pausing and like being quiet for long periods of time. Okay, okay, okay. So, underground bases. Well, I took... Okay, my... okay, okay. If there's underground bases in a Neolithic time, is there like an above-ground threat we're worried about? Is yes. there like a predator that's like, okay, everybody into the shelters, we'll wait for it to pass kind of thing. Like a kind of War of the Worlds kind of thing or like a special monster that comes out of like the forest at night or something. All right. I took reins of the, the last one, so I'm kind of, I want you to like. You're being more laid back and passive with this one. Spearhead this one. All right. Ah, I see what you I did. I see what you did there. Spearhead. I, I, like I already that. have an idea, but go for it. All right, so Neolithic, as we looked up, is like late Stone Age. So we're still we don't have, okay we we don't have metal working. That's not a thing for at least a couple of centuries. Mm-hmm. We're make we're working with what obelisk, um, right? That's what the volcanic rock is, right? The sharp one, obelisk, um, traditional stone weaponry. Do we have spear? We probably have spears. Okay, we have probably bows. I feel like you can do that without metal, right? Bows can be a thing. Okay. Range weapons. If we have an underground base, I'm picturing this is like a pit or like a tunnel or, or like a bunker in the middle of like our village. I'm thinking this is like I a... I was going bigger. Okay, I was thinking this sounds like a resource management kind of game where it's like Minecraft kind of like where at night you have to hide from because the monsters come out at night. So you kind of just go into your like house and you kind of wait it out. Okay. So I'm thinking we have to like build our village. Are you, are you still going with a resource? What's it called? Neolithic. Yeah, and the other one? Oh, RPG, I'm not using that. Okay. So it's just going to be Neolithic combined with your bunker, underground bunker idea. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's like a creature out there that's at this, that we don't know about isn't extinct yet. Maybe there's a creature out there that's like a natural enemy of humans and, it come, and it's nocturnal. Okay. We're not safe in our little huts or whatever. We go into the underground bunker. We hear noises to the ceiling, and we wait it out till daytime. See, this is why it's tough because it says 
underground base. And when I hear base, I think military, you know, military installation. There's no Neolithic military. <laughs> yeah, I know. So if the verbiage was a little bit different, if we if it said like cave, then it would make more sense with what we're going with. Okay. But all right. Okay. Do you want to make it so that our villagers here own, they don't live in huts. They just live in one big underground bunker. Like they just collectively live underground like mole people or something. Okay, so what I was thinking initially, but then I like where you were going with it, is like a deluge, a fucking a massive thing, right? So when we say deluge, you mean like water? Yeah. So it could be like the flood. Okay. Or I feel like water would naturally go to like the lowest point, though. Would go to the lowest point? Yeah. So y- yeah, for sure. But a bunker like, might not be. When I say deluge, I'm talking about like the scale of things. This is like a global event. Right? Okay. So, but I like how you were saying you're being hunted. So let's say, let's say maybe something crashes from the sky and it's a massive event, but there's something on there and this thing starts hunting you down. Like it could be some alien, some creature, whatever. Mm. And then you got to seek refuge. You're safe during the day, at least. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe they're like sensitive to light. Yeah, I like that. And then at night is when you got to find a refuge. During the day, you kind of got to like build this base and at night. Exactly. And at night, like, this is where your story begins. Like, you know, like, the premise is this thing already exists, mm-hmm. but maybe you're the person where you're like, I, I didn't get back to the base. And oh, you're stuck outside. Yeah. And you've got to make it back, right? Yeah. So these things are hunting you down. And this is Or where maybe I'm, it's like, oh, like, you missed out, like, oh, good luck until daylight kind of thing. Maybe they don't want to expose, like, themselves or yeah, something. Yeah, maybe they're cycles. Like, they locked it down. Like, it's closed. Like, that's it for tonight. If you survive, that's great. If not, too bad. Yeah, they like they roll a big ass boulder in front of it or whatever. <laughs> a big boulder. <laughs> so you got Chris punching a boulder across the <laughs> across the doorway. This uh, reminds me of uh, do you know the game called The Forest? No. It's like a survival game where like at night there's like uh, there's like these mute like cannibals in this forest mm-hmm. that you only really like see them at night kind of thing. Okay. But you have to like explore because you're looking for like your lost like son or something i think because like you got split from him but you're mm-hmm. stuck in this like you're playing crash landed in this forest somewhere mm-hmm. and you're far from civilization but it's like cannibals in this forest and you got to salvage and build stuff like during the daytime but you have to you do have to do some exploration at night because you show the main stories you're trying to find your son yeah so you have to make weapons because you will be like forcing encounters at some points mm-hmm. but you can still build your like your safe space your base at like during the day yeah i didn't want to make this like a family driven story doesn't like, yeah doesn't you, have to like be. you're kind of a, a teen and then your father teaches you everything like how to make a spearhead and everything how to craft all these mm-hmm. all these things and then you get stuck out there and then your dad dies or whatever right mm-hmm. and then you gotta make it back to like your mother your sister, maybe you like hit under his body or something yeah hitting the horse like uh what's it called the revenant <laughs> oh that's right and he carves out the in the carcass the carcass that's right you yeah. know or like in star wars when they carve out the tauntaun in same thing dude but i like i like that mechanic where during daytime you uh this is a time when you really start crafting heavy. you have to do all the actual like serious work yeah uh maybe maybe you have to like in order to get to the place you still gotta make like a little base so you gotta do like booby traps oh, okay you know, like, a, like a forward operating base kind of thing yeah and then, until you gradually move to where you need to get but I'll, sometimes you're I'll stuck like, like for the night well the night you got a battle so you like you make you gradually build more like outposts as you get further away yeah yeah outposts okay yeah and then so you get like the base isn't like 
that large of a component until the end. Maybe till the end is maybe you know something. Maybe oh you you know what? You fight them and then as you fight them, you figure out how to defeat them, but you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. So then once you get to the base is when you tell the people the weaknesses and then towards the end of the game is when you get the big battle. Like when they start trying to invade the base, but now you know their weakness. And then you and your community is how you fight them off. And you're at least somewhat, like, your equipment and gear is, like, you've advanced enough, like, where you're, like, not equal footing, but you have a fighting chance at least now. Yeah, because maybe before everybody got picked off because they were alone, but uh-huh. you and your father's training got you to a place where you could, like... It's like Planet of the Apes things, like, ape together. Yeah. Strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like this because it reminds me of Minecraft because Minecraft's like that too where like you do all your stuff during the day outside mm-hmm. and then once the sun goes down that's like where all the monsters come out and you're like eh, I'll just ride it out till the sun comes up kind of thing. Yeah. But it also has like it reminds me of like the forest it reminds me of Minecraft it reminds me of um, was that survival game that was free on PSN last month? Uh, Not Stranded Deep. Was it Stranded? Yeah, Stranded Deep. Was it Stranded Deep or Deep whatever? Uh, I don't know. It was that survival. You know which one I'm talking about, right? With the like, did, life raft yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It's like that because it's like games that are based on survival and like crafting and stuff like that. Like that's like fun. Like, at least for me, that's fun. And then having like this horror aspect, like at night kind of thing. Like it's like you're getting like a two for one kind of like experience. I guess you could say. Okay. Also, I have another idea. What if your family is out there, or parts of your community, and you build these outposts? But you have to get to the outpost on time. So you got to decide, am I going to hunker down on this outpost or am I going to traverse at night? Mm. So that kind of gives you this um, this anxiety of like, I have to keep moving or I have to survive and, and just, just kinda, stick it out. Here. Yeah. So fortify your position. Yeah. And part of the story is like, well, fuck, your family member just died. And, you know, they're fucking whatever. They're dead. Mm-hmm. Or imagine okay. there's like a chance that like if you head back now, like they might follow you back to the base. Kind of yeah, thing. yeah. So there's all these like uh, moral decisions you gotta make. Yeah, I like. Yeah, throw in a Paragon Renegade system. Why not? <laughs> Why yeah, you, yeah, while yeah. we're at it, just throw it in there. <laughs> I like it. All right, Johnny. I think we have a fleshed out enough concept for this. Who's making it? My first thought is, of course, Mojang, Minecraft developer. But I don't know if they can do the horror aspect justice, though. No, I don't think. I, I don't know the company. <laughs> Which one? Bloober. They're making all those horror games. Apparently, they're oh, God. good enough for Silent Hill. I don't know. I don't know if I want to trust them with this. Just because Konami trusts them doesn't mean I trust them. <laughs> no, this is another one I don't want to give to. Um... Please don't say it. Who? No, you don't. No. Okay. Uh, when I chose a, uh, some, some, some what? pitches ago. That's so vague, Johnny. Polyphony. Dead Space. Oh, um. Visceral. Visceral, that's right. That yeah. wasn't Pandemic? Pandemic. Uh, someone else, like EA closed. No, Visceral made a Dead Space. So you're going to give this to Visceral? Yeah, I'll give it to Visceral. Do you think they'll do, they would be able to do. I mean, it could go to Capcom, too. No. Why not? I don't trust Capcom for like the open world. Um, well, you okay? You know what? Actually, that wouldn't be such a bad idea because Capcom does Monster Hunter, and Monster Hunter has a lot of crafting like stuff and materials. And Monster stuff. Hunter is more of like a wide linear. Yeah, it's not like super massive. But there is a lot of like world. inventory management. There is a lot of like supplies, crafting gear, craft making weapons, making yeah, that could work because they have they've proved they the proven track record for like 
inventory management and stuff like that. Well, a little bit of Monster Hunter mixed with Resident Evil. Yeah, that could work. Okay, yeah. Capcom. Yeah, yeah I, I see it. You can Yeah, and they got uh, good budgets for the game, too. Absolutely. You know it's going to be running on the RE engine. It's going to look good. Yeah, because if I give it to EA, we're going to have all these microtransactions. That's right. true. That's true. But, well, I mean, Dead Space didn't have microtransactions, right? That was under EA. Right? I don't think it did. No, I think they did have some. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe because it's not a multiplayer game, so it doesn't really matter. You're not competing against somebody. All right. Um, Capcom. But what's what's Capcom going to call it? Shit. Nah, I don't like that title. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> Nocturnal. Nocturnal. Yeah. Nocturnal's good. You, you know what? That's the game I've always wanted we can be, to we can, we can even like be a little more like kind of like winky, wink, wink, kind of call it Nocturnal Missions. <laughs> nah, that's a little too militaristic. It's a play on words of like Nocturnal Emission. That's what I was trying to be Emission? Funny. Yeah. It's like, I haven't heard of it. That's another way of saying, you know. Flew right over my head. Okay. That's a little more adult joke. Nocturnal is actually a name I've always wanted to give to like a company of mine. Nocturnal. Like a gaming company or a car company. Nocturnal Games. Nocturnal, Nocturnal Inc. Nocturnal LLC. Or, yeah. Nocturnal, I think it, it, it sells it, right? It, it gets the point across. Mm-hmm. Nocturnal. If it wasn't that... Because when I hear that word, I think of like predatory night creatures, like an owl. Like things that hunt at night, like nocturnal. Like, yeah. I, it works. It works. I like it. If it wasn't that, it'd be Killer Instinct. <sighs> this isn't a fighting game. You lied to me. <laughs> nocturnal it is. All right. I like it. Slap it on the box and ship it. Nocturnal by Capcom. Okay. I like it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude uh, this podcast episode for us. Now, Johnny, before we close out, do you want to have any last words before I do the whole like self-promoting? No, I don't. Ah, I thought you had something. You look like like you're taking a breath, and then you're like, no. Uh, yeah, spam Andrew with emails so we can play a Death Stranding and Control. I will play Death Stranding come September. I will play Control when I have time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for us. If you want to send emails like Johnny suggests, you can send that to DuoSensePodcast, all one word, at Yahoo.com. That is, again, DuoSensePodcast at Yahoo.com. Also, you can check out our Twitter page, even though Johnny doesn't like Twitter, at DuoSensep, because the full name doesn't fit. DuoSensep on Twitter. Uh, once again, we'd like to thank everybody who does listen to our podcast. We appreciate it. We are seeing growth. I, I talked to Johnny about this. We've actually seen very, very slow but steady growth uh, in terms of uh, listenership for each episode. So we appreciate it, guys. Whatever we're doing, you seem to be vibing with it. So we thank you. Uh, I think that's all I got, right? That's all I can really think of. I'm trying to think. Is there something else I'm supposed to say? No. Nothing's coming to mind. Oh, again, uh, check out uh, the podcast that I was on again. That was uh, Channel 3 by my friend JR. Go ahead and check out my episode and some of his other episodes, too, that don't feature me. Uh, That's a great podcast. So check it out. Also, check out our friends over at none of our business podcasts. uh, Noob, of course. Joe and Deech and uh, Keenan, who I find to be very funny for some reason. Go check them out. That will be all it for us. So go ahead, Johnny. Say goodnight to our friends. Bye, guys. Bye.